0: Idaho doesn't need much help to make exploring the outdoors amazing, but Volkswagen of Boise is great about lending a helping hand. Their lineup of vehicles makes it easy to get the most out of exploring eateries across the valley in a Jetta, visiting the distant lands of eastern and northern Idaho in a Tiguan, or finding that one last secret camping hideaway in an Atlas Sport. Volkswagen has an accessory for every adventure. If you're not sure which option is best for your trip, their non-commissioned sales team will guide you down the right path at the right time for you. Come in anytime to see how Volkswagen of Boise can help you maximize your Idaho experience. Volkswagen, engineered to be helpful. For more info, go to www.volkswagenofboise.com.
1: This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Welcome back to the conversation.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, a lot of people are wondering these days what's going on with the housing market. And so we brought back an old guest, Jesse <laughs> Taff with the Waypoint Real Estate Group uh, and his friend, Bryce Gonzer. Yes, yes, sir. And, and Bryce, you were with Fulcrum uh, Home Loans. Correct. Yep. All yep. right. Happy to be here yeah so um we just kind of wanted to pepper you guys with some questions about what's going on everybody's watching the news increase in uh, mortgage rates and then the trends around the treasure valley are definitely interesting to talk about so we just wanted to bring you in for an, a housing update for the fourth quarter of uh 2022. can't believe it's here yeah and it's almost We're, over oh my gosh yourself. how did I, it happen i know yeah i'm still stuck in quarter one and i think <laughs> all the things that i thought that i would get done that i am don't have done yet. <laughs> yeah a couple yeah. more months left that's right right Hello, Natalie. Hi, how's You're it going? You're sitting there kind of quiet in the corner. Well,
1: I was just watching you. I'm like, this is a very mild introduction for how I'm feeling about the, <laughs> the, the housing market right now. I'm like, uh, we can bleep this out, yeah. right?
0: I'm projecting <laughs> optimism. I, okay. I like that. Uh,
1: that's great. I'm, I am also... There manifesting optimism Good. as well but uh, but let's be honest i will represent the other party that's listening and they're just like what the f- is happening <laughs> <laughs> panic i yeah. mean what is how ha- okay so i i'm i'm very interested in this conversation yeah. because there's so much information out there and not all of us understand it and mm. obviously we've had some since the last time you you came a lot of changes
2: Yes, yeah, I would say since the last last podcast, which maybe almost maybe like one year ago. Yeah, it's been, it's been oh, a year oh, wow. ago. yeah, um, almost a, I wouldn't say a full one eighty because mm-hmm. we're not crazy onto the other side, which is just a full blown buyer's market. But we're getting much closer. So yeah, since last podcast, uh, a big big turnaround from the the market we are in. Um, but like Bryce and I will discuss um, all the a lot of fear, a lot of panic out there. Some of it is. Uh, unjustified, but mm-hmm. these right. are definitely different. So,
0: yeah, yep. It felt like about a year ago we were in the situation where it was a crazy buyer's market. Okay. I mean, uh, we just kept seller's ch- market, seller's market. Thank you. Um, so we're switching to the buyer's. Sorry, that was where yeah. My so, con- let's con- like when
1: we our last uh, conversation yep. with you basically. Anything that touched the market, it's gone. Like, Correct. instantly, it was just, I, and and we're all just watching this, like, what is going to happen? So what has happened?
2: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So like you said, about a year ago, full-blown seller's market, craziest seller's market, I think, any time in history. Mm-hmm. So 20%, 40% growth year over year, et cetera. And, and like you said, what we were seeing was any home that hit the market There was demand for it. Interest rates were at the lowest ever. Prices didn't really matter because people were getting almost free money essentially with the mortgage loans that they were at. Um, So there was a little bit of inflation in terms of prices and valuations just because buyers were escalating prices as offers continued to come in. Um, And then since then, interest rates have increased, um, which we'll get dive into a little bit further and more inventory has come up so builders continue to build sellers are starting to sell and with that uh, prices and demand have come down a little bit so we're now much closer or in a buyer's market within the span of just a year or less, which is very, very quick in terms of real estate. So, really, a lot of the uncertainty and maybe um, concern and fear is just how quickly the market shifted. Mm-hmm. Sure. We knew it was going to come at some point. Yeah. we just didn't expect it to to get here this quickly. You
1: didn't expect it, like not it was, this quickly. Okay. Yeah,
2: it was but. a pretty big pivot. And sure. I think it, it was
3: it was quick. If you go back to COVID and look at you know when the when the world shut down, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people understand like how we how we got here. And when the world shut down and everybody stayed inside their their houses, nobody was spending money, right? Mm-hmm. So restaurants were closed. Nobody was you know shopping, et cetera. And that's not good for the economy. If there's no money circulating and there's no uh, type of stimulation, it, it's bad, right? And so what what we saw was the the Fed came in. And they manipulated interest rates so they took the fed fund rate which is the borrowing of short-term collateral down to zero and then they manipulated uh basically buying up government debt in the form of bonds to manipulate interest rates uh for mortgage for mortgage loans um and we already had a pent-up supply of, of houses so coming off the 2008 crash there was just no homes being built from 2010 to 2016. so there wasn't that many houses on the market but then all of a sudden, there was this massive drop in interest rates, and everybody was refinancing, and everybody was was buying homes. And the mortgage industry literally tripled in volume. So mm-hmm.
0: when they made that decision to manipulate the interest rate through bond uh, purchases, what was it that they were r- refresh our memory? What was it that they were trying to avoid? I'm tr- sure that they had great reasons at the time, and it was like, well, we either do this or we do this, and lesser of two evils, we're going to do this one. What was the alternative? well that's a good question i don't know (laughs) what the alternative was
3: what they were trying to do was was get the money to circulate again because everybody would basically there was like a a valve was shut off on a faucet Mm -hmm. everybody got shut down and there was no money circulating and that's that's not good for overall gdp growth that's not good for an economy if nobody's buying or or selling anything Mm -hmm. there's just stagnation in the market so they were trying to kind of spur that on and i think they reacted they overreacted to it. They said they made it too easy to borrow collateral and they made it too easy to, to get loans, mm. whether that be real estate loans or commercial loans or personal loans, et cetera. I mean, car loans were 0% you know, financing for however many months, right? So that's what they were trying to do. I just think they went a little too far and now we're kind of paying the consequences.
0: So connect the dots for us then, Bryce. Um, if you go from the point where money is super cheap to get, mm-hmm. Connect the dots from there to the inflation, because I think that the inflation is the cause of the hike in interest rates Correct. to try to stem that. But that first gap from easy money to inflation, right? Paint what, picture what happened. Um, so a lot of people think that. Um,
3: all right, I guess I should go back. So they they begin to buy up these bonds, right? And and that money is created out of thin air. So it's literally the Fed. There's a printer. There's a there's a computer. I should say at the Fed, the Federal Bank in the United States. And they can literally hit zeros on a keyboard, and there's all of a sudden the money supply expands, right? And so a lot of people think that inflation is the rise of goods and services, and it's not. The true definition of inflation is the dilution of the money supply. Mm. And as the dollar weakens, it costs more dollars to buy the same house, the same stock, et cetera. And that's why we saw asset prices go to, I mean, there were 70 new all-time highs in the stock market. Like Jesse said, there was 30 40% home appreciation. It took more dollars to buy those things, right? And when that happens... That's not good for people that depend on the dollar to, to hold their,
0: their the value. Well, I'm right? just thinking of my salary. I mean, my salary, once you pump more money into the market, mm-hmm. I'm making less right. than I was before. It's about 3% right now. The average W-2
3: is about 3%, making 3% less than they were this time last year, right? Mm-hmm. And so now the dollar is backed by debt. So a lot of people don't realize that, but the dollar is backed by debt. It's a promissory note on, 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 on just basically an IOU, right? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's like magic. It is. It's, it's, literally, <laughs> it's literally
3: magic. And so now inflation's too high. They need to basically uh, persuade people away from not borrowing any more money to slow it down. So they hike rates up. And if you look at a comparison between the average APR on a credit card and the Fed fund rate hiking, they're, the, the correlation is almost the exact same. So we're on pace to end the year right now with about the average american holding about an 18 percent credit card uh, apr which would be the highest in recorded history ever
1: 18 it's 16 yep.
3: percent right now and it's on track it's to on end average. at 18 percent.
1: wow in
3: 20 in, in q1 of this year there was about 229 million credit cards that were opened up so people are putting things on credit cards just to live mm-hmm. right
0: now um and again they're
3: trying to push people away from from borrowing money
0: so if i can sidebar just for a quick second something that that just said earlier bryce kind of st- Stuck with me? You're in the lending in, in you're in the lending industry. Mm-hmm. How closely do lenders look at borrowers' earning capacity? Yeah, because yeah, if money's super cheap and they're able to borrow more, there's a ratio that's going on there too to say, oh well, you you can earn this much. Therefore, we believe that a great ratio is what is it, thirty five percent? Yeah, uh, for a, a mortgage compared to your income. How deep do they look at people's earning capacity, true earning capacity? I mean, we, we do that on every single loan. So we anau- we uh,
3: analyze, analyze somebody's income on every loan. So we you know we take their, their W-2 income, their self-employed income, et cetera, and then the interest rate that we're able to give them kind of helps dictate their debt to income ratio, right? And as interest rates go up, that debt to income ratio will, will go up for that same borrower if they're making the same amount because the interest payment is, is going up on it. So their debt's going up. Mm-hmm. So on every loan, we, we take a look at that. But right now, like the average household or the average loan is increasing between like $300 to $600 uh, than it was a year ago. So that's more debt. So people are qualifying for, for less. $300 to $600 per month? Correct. Just towards their, their monthly payment. Wow.
1: Do you think they're being cognitive of how they were handling those loans um, before the 2008 crash? Because I remember at that point, like we, what we were um, told that we could afford... We, mm-hmm. were, we went home, we're like, <laughs> never they, would I have borrowed that have, much. Had, that would kidding? have been irresponsible. I'm like, we would have we been so, so house poor. But right. they were like, oh, no, just take it. And I'm wondering if, if it's handled differently now because we are aware of what happened at that point.
3: I would say hundred percent, right? So the two thousand eight financial uh, or global crisis was caused by predatory lending and and mm-hmm. poor banking, right? This is a completely different situation now. It's not spurred by the housing industry; mm-hmm. I, it's more towards the, the the government and the manipulation of the money supply. Um, so just looking at you know f- uh, fraud, you know mortgage fraud decreasing was like fifteen hundred percent from two thousand eight to two thousand nine. So all these entities came out. Uh, Respa, uh, uh, all of these different governing bodies came out to regulate loans, so there is there's substantially less, uh, you know, option arm loans and predatory type loans, interest only loans, etc. So that's gone down a ton, right? But the Fed controls that Fed fund rate and it controls the interest rates across the economy, and so you know, lenders and and other uh, mortgage institutions, well, if they can give out cheap loans, like they're going to do that. It makes no sense for them to keep their their rates high, right? So it's it's not. I wouldn't say this is a cause, or you know, this isn't going back on mortgage lenders by any mean. It's just that rates got super, super low, and it caused a, a huge, you know, home buying frenzy.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, yeah, and and that's what's kind of from a real estate agent, investor, developer, you know, all the above, definitely heavy into real estate industry. That's what kind of gets me a little bit frustrated, or I guess unfortunate, is in two thousand seven to two thousand nine, it you know, the, the crash, the entire economy crash was due to the real estate industry or the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. In this case, we're, we're just a victim of the the overall economy or how the government has handled the last few years. Real estate really had, was is still on and was on very, very good ground. Um, the fundamentals are still there. Things are slowing down because the federal government had to increase interest rates to try and uh, subdue uh, inflation and mm. that that affects real estate
0: not trying to make this sound super positive but i feel mm. like i'd rather have this situation than the yeah, previous, yes right yes like, i would rather have the real estate market be a function of something else that's happening happening exactly. on a macro
2: level than the
0: root cause itself. correct yep. yeah it's a great
2: point and yeah. that and that's why overall obviously you know, prices have come down a little bit, monthly payments have come up because of interest rates, but overall, uh, definitely still optimistic for the near future. Uh, but also even in the current right now, there's still some very, very good opportunities, especially on the buyer side, where sure, we're, we're in a slightly down market, but it, it can be a great time to buy primary residences, invest, investments, et cetera, if you find the right property and the right deal.
0: Is there a good backlog of the right property and the right deal? I mean, what's the supply like right now in the in the Treasure Valley?
2: Yeah, yep. So, uh, yes to your first question. There, there definitely is. There's tons of options right now. And again, on the buying side, because it is uh, leaning towards the buyer's market, you're able to negotiate. We get we have some incredible deals out there. Builders Seller are concessions. Yeah, exactly. Yep, in- individual sellers are. are willing to to negotiate builders are really slashing prices quickly just because they they are ready to move on to their their next community or their next product um and then in, in terms of inventory i think we're up you know year over year numbers don't make a huge difference but either way we're up over you know 150 200 percent so uh, significantly more homes available Things are sitting on the market a little bit longer, closer to like the one month, one and a half month range. So, again, on on the buyer's side, outside of interest rates, we haven't seen opportunities like this in the last you know three or four years. I was talking
0: to my buddy the other day, and he was selling his house and mm-hmm. uh, almost sweating. He's like, "Oh my gosh, it's been on the market for so long." I said, oh How long? man, Yeah, <laughs> it's like two months. I thought, dude. Yeah. So quickly, we forget how long it <laughs> takes to sell a house sometimes. Our Chattanooga yeah. house, how long did we have it on the market? A year? Yeah, it was a long, a long time. took a long Crazy. time. Crazy. Um, rewind your brain to the last time that we talked. Yep. You had said something that builders are more willing to make concessions and slash prices in order to move inventory. Yep. That makes me think about the cost of materials. When we talked last time, lumber was mm-hmm. just absolutely bananas. Um, what's are there any bottlenecks as far as material costs that residential builders are dealing with right now?
2: Yeah, yep, yeah, great question. So overall, material yeah. costs and labor costs have come down slightly on average not not pre COVID anywhere near that, but have come down, stabilized. We might say. Yes, I would say. I would say stabilized or or slowly continuing to come down further. Okay. Um, But uh, there isn't any massive bottlenecks because it changes month to month. Mm -hmm. Like one month, it could be uh, HVAC ducts. One month, it could be a certain type of, you know, hardwood flooring. Uh, One month, it could be appliances. But all of those, it's not getting as drastic as it was before. Like even earlier this year, you know, appliances might take six months to get in. Now, sure, there may be a backlog or there may be some delays, but it's more like a month or maybe two or three weeks. So we're getting much, much more close, uh, close to pre-COVID supply chain, at least on the housing side. Mm So, yeah, uh, yeah, that that's I mean, that's a big piece of what's helping some of these builders realize, okay, let's get some of these homes sold. We can't charge this, you know, incredible premium. We are saving money on our future build construction costs. So let's pass that along to the buyer and keep inventory moving. Mm
0: when you say that Jesse it makes me want to go back to the, you know the talk of recession but before we talk about re- recession i just kind of wanted to riff for a quick second is it fair to say that there's so much about the economy that's dictated on people's spending habits independently when they're left to spend money the way or you know spend money the way that they want to then we see trends and yet just by speaking the word recession we influence people's Trends in spending money. Mm-hmm. It feels almost responsible or irresponsible to talk too heavily about recession or things that would trigger people to, like Bryce, you said, lock down their, their uh, spending and the flow of money. Right. What do you well, feel about that as a lender? Our ability to talk about it really influences people's behavior when it should be the other way.
3: Yeah. No, that's that's a great that's a great point. I, I think I mean I see it as, you know, not only a lender, but just the You know somebody that's on social media talking about this stuff. That the mainstream legacy media system does a very poor job of explaining what's going on, and there's a lot of fud, right? So there's a lot of headlines, whether that's housing related or stock market related, that cause people, um, you know, to have fear and to to panic and to not do anything in this situation. What was
0: the term that you said fud? FUD.
3: (laughs) So fear, uncertainty, and doubt—just an acronym for for that. But I think, again, the, it starts at a very you know, young level where there's not a lot of financial education about times like this or really about money or the economy or finance in general. Um, and I think it's important for us to talk about a recession, how to make and take opportunities during a recession and what is a recession in the, in the first place because a lot of people don't know and again, CNN and CNBC and Fox and all these people are just flashing red. You know, it's bloodbath. Stay out,
0: stay out, stay out. It pushes their viewership, and that's mm-hmm. what people like. They like absolutely it. sensational. So
1: where do they go for that information? Where are they getting accurate information on this?
0: I think they find people like us, like
3: you yeah. guys, like Jesse, like me, on social media. And, and we're starting, like Joe Rogan, we're starting to see all of these, like, quote kind of decentralized, you know, platforms pop up where people can go and seek out this knowledge because it's not taught at a, at a high, you know, national level national level
2: yeah i mean it's partly realizing that some of the news you might be seeing could be false it's not all of it is but you have to go into it with a, a grain of salt and realize is this true and then really the biggest thing that all of us individuals can do is one do your own research but two not react immediately to a headline that you see read it understand it, do some background research, and kind of form your own opinion instead of just purely reacting on Mm -hmm. the article you see on Facebook or the news headline you see on TV. Uh, And unfortunately, that's what's happening with a lot of people. Like you mentioned, when someone hears the word recession, they automatically think, oh my gosh, 2007, 2008. We've had several recessions in between then that no one can even remember because the term recession doesn't mean shit's hitting the fan, it mm-hmm. just means we haven't grown over two two quarters uh, back to back. So mm-hmm. a recession doesn't necessarily mean panic, things are gonna drastically change for you as an individual, mm-hmm. but when people hear it, they react, or overreact in my opinion, and think of the worst case scenario. So um, everyone kinda has to calm down a little bit, You know, come back to, to earth and realize what, kinda do some research or listen to other individuals and realize what's really happening how to adapt their spending habits their lifestyle versus just reacting and either panicking or on the flip side when you know the market or the economy starts growing just spending and taking out tons of debt so there's a a nice middle ground that people should try and find i was
0: thinking about something that you said oh sorry um i was thinking about something that you said about uh you know the 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 veracity of some of these news (laughs) stories that you hear the national media cycle like their model is to give you a headline it's two Mm -hmm. to three minutes max right Mm -hmm. some of these issues are complicated and it really i don't know that i'd call them false Mm -hmm. necessarily but the topic itself it they're more complicated so you have to dig into the nuance and spend more long form time Mm -hmm. as opposed to a two minute clip understanding it and i just feel like most people Look, don't take take offense to this audience, but most people are lazy. They yep. want to get the information that they need to make a decision in that two to three minutes. Yeah. But that's really to their detriment. They we need to dig in and we need to ask more questions and read more articles and understand really what is going on. What does re- recession mean? It's not panic. It's yeah. It's a definition of the state of affairs and how we can make decisions based on that. Yeah.
3: I yeah. I think it's it's important to know how to navigate it. And oftentimes people. It, it always amazes me. People get so scared when they see assets falling in price, but nobody raises any type of question when their currency is devaluing overnight. So I mean, asset prices, depending on what stock you're looking at, cryptocurrency, real estate—you know, some are some are, are down upwards of sixty percent year over year, right? But the dollar's down ninety percent since its inception, mm. and but nobody nobody cares about that, right? And so I think again, there's a huge financial uh, gap between people where. The top 55 percent of americans will hold investable assets and those people will do okay even in a recession but the bottom 45 percent that don't hold any type of investable
0: asset will, will continue to struggle especially during times like this i always wonder how do we connect with that 45 percent the ones that are going to struggle how can we get good information into their hands or into our hands so that we can make better decisions to not struggle quite so much yeah, yeah. i I, th-
2: I mean yeah Th- this probably a, another three-series <laughs> topic, I but, I, <laughs> but yeah, I have lots of uh, opinions towards that. But I would say, uh, one, again, it, I mean, all of it centers around education. So, really, financial education much earlier than adulthood. I mean, it's that's mm-hmm. embarrassing that mm-hmm. we don't teach that younger. Um, and then, two, again, not, not overreacting and making decisions based off of emotions on what you see on news and social media. Because, again, um, you know, don't want to... Uh, diverge too much, but social media is, again, just like news, is centered around capturing your attention. So when someone likes or sees or stops to read a negative news headline on whatever topic, social media is going to feed you every single negative news headline that they can find, and it's just going to reinforce your your thoughts and beliefs yeah. rather than saying, okay, wait a second, let me look for something contradictory to this and see what I actually do believe. Um, so we're, we kind of get stuck in this rabbit hole of uh, self-fulfilling prophecy <laughs> of only seeing reading and hearing about the, the the belief that we already have versus seeing the other side of things.
1: Yeah, we're about to do an entire podcast about this. Oh, well, there Sunday. you go. No, <laughs> it's, it's just, awesome. yeah. I, I mean, I call it choice paralysis. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I personally I have a job is because once somebody trusts you, they will, you know, trust your decisions, which is great for somebody who, that's their income and their, their career, but also if it's in the wrong hands, it's, that's frightening. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is that There's so many things like this that they have to make decisions on. You say, you're like, okay, well, this is what you need to know about buying a home. Also, you need to know that about your, you know, children's education. You also need to do that research on buying a car. You need to do that on what's happening in Iran right now. Like the amount of, we are now, our playing field is the entire world and we have to understand that and then we have new things coming in like oh by the way you're 75 and we need to tell you what cryptocurrency is <laughs> let's see how, and it's your responsibility responsibility to learn about that and it's we have too much mm-hmm. and so what i'm seeing is that yes lazy is one way to say it but also just the complete overwhelm of how much we're supposed to understand when we're also just trying to survive yeah. and keeping our family surviving over a, a pandemic and then the results of that And so for me, I'm always thinking, how do we get concise, accurate information that can be digested quickly, which is one of the reasons why we like to do the podcast is because what if you could listen for 20 minutes and get a better understanding? Because watching what social media is doing and watching what news outlets are doing to compete with social media is terrifying because Mm -hmm. we are just elevating this, again, this fear. Mm. So if we could look at it from that standard and we could say, all right, let's talk, To people in the Treasure Valley about the housing market in a in a non, um, I guess, frightening way, just a very uh, just a very basic what's happening. What do you need to know if you want to buy or sell? Could we go that? Do you think that we could go that direction and kind of let people know what they need to know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, sorry. My mind was distracted by a couple of things that you said. One, you use the term overwhelmed as opposed to lazy. And I thought that was a great choice. Mm -hmm. I think that people are not lazy, but I do think that the amount of things that we've got to be balancing can be definitely overwhelming. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking is that talking to you through all these years about your role in social media, you know, we're always talking about the algorithm, the algorithm, this, the algorithm that, and you can almost just kind of bleed it out sometimes. It's like, I, I hear it so much, but we need to understand what the algorithms are for these, for these different outlets. Like how is it that Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or any of these choose what stories to put in front of us and most times it's that echo chamber yeah, they're the gonna give us echo chamber. what we want more of nothing to challenge us or nothing to expand our view it's mainly here's more of what you already want yeah, keep you in your lane yep. yeah right now and Which that's is dangerous
1: why, like, my personal page actually causes a lot of con- consternation with people because they fought like my i have a page called hello meridian and it's It's focused on what's going on in the area, but it's also Mm -hmm. my page. And so occasionally I'll bring in some of my own thoughts, which a lot of my thoughts is like, we need to be questioning these things. We need to be questioning authority. Um, Some extremism is probably not the best route to go. And then people are confused because they (laughs) only hear what they want to hear all the time. And then they are suddenly shown something. Wait, I don't like that. That Mm -hmm. makes me feel not okay. And they react in anger. And I'm like, that's not a great thing. It's not a great thing if you can't hear another mm-hmm. point of view, but that's where we're going. The algorithm knows us so well. They will give you what makes you feel good, and you think the entire world feels that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Their and, reaction is indicative of their perspective, right. mm-hmm. and their reaction is as if you serve them a bowl of soup and all of a sudden they got to fly in it when they got something that was different than <laughs> what they wanted. But that's not the analogy. Yeah. The analogy is I'm sharing a variety of ideas and we can pick and choose which ones we listen to and which ones we decide. Eh, that's not for that's not for me. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: a skill that we I think we've had for years and we've suddenly lost it. Yeah. yeah. Is that we don't want that variety. We don't mm-hmm. because we're overwhelmed. Yeah. We just want somebody to tell us this is how it is. And okay, great. Now I can go sit and watch Netflix and chill until I have to go back. To work but it's <laughs> yeah
0: so we've sidebarred <laughs> Pretty far. We don't do um that. jesse why yeah. is it that i see so much multi-family housing everywhere every lot that's being developed they're putting multi-family development on it whether it's apartments or uh townhomes it's like every available lot mm-hmm. that's the direction that the things are going i haven't seen somebody building like a home in meridian for months it feels like everything is just multifamily is that
2: accurate uh i would say yes and no so it might feel like that just because they're usually larger buildings and again you're you're probably keeping an eye out for it Mm -hmm. um but overall multifamily has definitely increased and and the reason being is is need so um the again the housing market there's still tons of demand lack of housing out in this area really nationwide so increasing density is really the only way yeah. to fix that issue so um, uh, the state city governments uh, local you know local municipalities are all working towards okay we understand we need higher density hopefully they do it intelligently and just don't you know build skyscrapers in random spots but essentially we need more housing whether it's for sale or by rent. Uh, so multi-family, uh, multi-family construction has gone up significantly to try and um, catch up yeah. on the, the growth that we've had. We're
3: definitely trying to catch up. Boise's a, or Treasure Valley in, in, in general is a very unique area over fifty percent of our rental units are single-family homes, mm-hmm. as compared to other areas that are about our size are heavily, you know, um, pushed towards multifamily apartments, etc. So we're trying to kind of catch back up.
0: Say that statistic again. Fifty percent of the of the available rentals, whether it's apartments or house, uh, houses, houses fifty percent are houses. Over a little over fifty percent are single-family homes. Correct. Mm-hmm. Half of the available rental spaces are single-family homes. Correct. I had no idea that yep. that many houses were being rented
2: yeah. yeah historically historically we have not built much multifamily. so like you said apartment buildings or townhomes condos things like that so again we're trying to catch up to that we haven't necessarily had a need to because we have the room to expand but as land prices get higher single family home prices get higher that means rent is going to get higher so yeah. to create more quote-unquote affordable housing and then again higher density so people can live much closer to where they work we need to build more multifamily housing mm. uh, and it just hasn't been a need until really the last you know five six years yeah
0: i had a pipe dream that covid and teaching us how to work remotely would stem a lot of this proximity push right i need to live somewhere close to my office but hey if my office is in my house i can live up in <laughs> you know m- m- Middleton—that's an hour away, not yeah. an hour, forty-five minutes, but still. with
3: traffic sometimes could be an hour. Yeah. yeah. Somebody,
0: I had a friend that moved to Middleton, and I—I uh, w- I was like, "Why would you live so far away?" <laughs> but they came from California, yep. and so yeah, the commute to get into town—that was nothing. To oh them. yeah. I think that out-of-staters, especially those that are coming from yeah. an urban environment, they look at these faraway places that we would think, "Why would, on earth would you ever go to New Plymouth?" Yeah. And yet it. P- people think, "Why wouldn't I?" That's so easy mm-hmm. compared to where I came from. Yep. Yeah.
1: Okay. Hi, I would like to buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to ask some basic questions yep. about that. Can we do that? Yeah, so, yeah like, let's do it. Because uh, I'm just, I'm totally novice. Hey, okay. So as a house, as a home buyer, what do I need to know right now for the situation in the Treasure Valley? If I mean, I'm going to come and meet with you.
2: Regardless of market, start with like you said, ask that question to an agent, and then all, a real estate agent or realtor, and also ask that question to a mortgage lender because those are two separate but very—I mean, you know—so let's take important let's pieces. take turns. Housing yeah. guy
0: Jesse, what do you say?
2: Yeah, so I would say, great time to look. It's a, a very very—you know—it's it's a buyer's market which we haven't had in a long time. There's going to be lots of available home options. Um, Obviously, would get to understand your criteria, your needs, your timelines, and then the other, uh, you know, thing to understand again is to send them or you know have them talk to their their mortgage lender because really the 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 biggest questions are around affordability. What's your monthly payment going to look like? What are interest rates right now? Because they change on a week to week or even a month to month basis, almost an entire mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. So
1: it's almost seven right now. I'm seeing on thirty.
2: So. Yeah. Again, it, it depends on
3: who you're talking to. <laughs> okay. Everybody's like, what? There's there's different banks will have different interest rates. Okay. Um, but actually today I was I was coming over here. Mortgage bonds were up 113 basis points, so they're probably closer back down, um, to low sixes. Okay. For for my institution, mm-hmm. um, so they're they've started to come back down, and I think we'll continue to go that direction as we end Q4, going to Q1, Q2 of next
2: mm-hmm. year.
0: Okay. Um, but
2: yeah, yep. So and then the other like uh, I guess pros and cons to right now that I'd explain to people is. You have negotiating power. We have the ability, you know, depending on each particular home, we have the ability to negotiate price down. We have the ability to try and negotiate seller credits, which is essentially um, cash at closing to, to spend towards your closing costs or to spend towards buying a rate down. Uh, and then again, you have significantly more options now. You're not stuck with one of three homes that you have to pick in your price range and you have to decide by tomorrow. Yeah, uh, You have some time. Um, and then of course the, the cons are, your current interest rate is going to be higher than maybe they were a year ago or two years ago. Uh, With that being said, they could come back down and you could take advantage in the future of a, of a lower interest rate. There are products where you could buy it down temporarily, or if the numbers work six to 7% is much higher than it was before, but really not that crazy in terms of what interest rates have been or could be. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. There's lots of, in my opinion, there's a net benefit right now to buying um, than, you know, uh, again, than there has been in the last three or four years, if not longer. Um, Yeah. And then the other side of it is, uh, and can kind of comment on this a little bit more just in terms of the overall scope of real estate, but... uh, there's potential. Maybe in the next six months, we come back. Maybe prices go a little bit lower. You buy at five hundred thousand. Maybe that same home is worth four ninety or four or valued at four ninety or four eighty within the next twelve months. That can be scary, but most people are not buying a home to sell it in three months or four mm-hmm. months. So yeah. some slight func- fluctuations in a one or a two year span should be expected because that has been normal in terms of the the history of real estate where most people would buy a personal residence not really care or think about the value at all until it came time to sell sure. and they'd ask their real estate agent so am I going to lose money or am I going to make money <laughs> and that, that that that's all it was nowadays we look at it every month and say dang it it went up 5 grand or dang it or yeah because uh, we have, awesome, we we have up... zillow and we could yeah. become <laughs> obsessed mm-hmm. with it which exactly. you know
1: even that information it's like we could go on a whole, year, sure, sure. whole yeah. conversation with yeah. that mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm hearing, because so I'm sitting here talking with you, my understanding is if I want to buy, it's a good time to it's not necessarily the best time we've ever had in the world. But like this, if you want to buy a home, like you have to be thinking about what it is right now and that it is possible to buy a home right now that um, and to think of it as an investment, Mm -hmm. obviously think about this as and we're talking about obviously for your primary residence sure, that sure. we don't have to be looking at Zillow every month mm-hmm. and be thinking, oh, did I make the wrong, wrong choice? Buy a home and invest in that home. Yes. And, Just hold. Yeah.
0: Just hold. So let me ask a hard question, Je- Jesse. Yep. You're a mortgage guy, or you're a real estate guy. Of yep. course, you're going to tell people that <laughs> right now is the uh, a good time to buy because I see so many people that are sitting in apartments on a decision point saying, do I just jump and invest in a home or do I wait it out and see what happens? What would yeah. you say to someone who's skeptical that says, well, of course the real estate guy is gonna say buy yeah, real estate. Yeah, yeah, of
2: course. So that's where, I mean, every every real estate agent is different. I never come into a, a buyer consultation with the goal of selling them on buying a home. It's, these are the facts or this is, this is my observations and judgments of what's happening right now. And then understand their financial situation. If it's going to stress them out to try and purchase a home at, at today's mortgage rates, and they say, "I don't think I'll really have much to do anything else except maybe buy this home," then I'd probably say it might not be the right time. You know, save up some more, or if you're willing to have like a roommate, or you know, some other um, some other way to supplement your income to make it affordable, go for it. If it if it stre- stretches your budget too far to go buy a home, then sure, maybe right now is not the right time. So definitely when I when I talk with buyers it's not uh, there's no sort of pressure or car salesmanship to say yes now's a great time to buy the home. But
0: How often are you having to make that hard call and say maybe now's not the right time is it one in ten one in 20?
2: Uh, I would say like yeah one in 20 probably because most people can go through and understand their numbers and also again with the, the far stricter or, more legitimate requirements on the lending side, most lenders wouldn't let you mm-hmm. obtain a loan if point. you're not able to afford it. Um, there is some, you have to meet there's requirements, some buffer yeah. there. You know, Sometimes maybe people go a little too far but still are qualified. But for the most part, people who who want to purchase but maybe can't or shouldn't, they may not obtain a loan, so they're kind of filtered out on their own already. Um, which right. is
1: good. Can you, when we got our loan, it's so funny. I think about it now. We bought our home. And it was a nice spec home in Chattanooga. We literally went $500 out of pocket. That was $500 out of pocket because it was just so easy to get a loan. Now, we bought a home that was very... We could have bought a home twice as much as we did because they would have allowed that and we drove away thinking are they out of yeah. their mind?" All this is crazy yeah. yeah it yeah. feels
0: like it's a bad uh, like it can't be that and like it can't be yeah. so
1: we're like well let's us make that decision but now i mean what's what's like an average down payment that you're kind of recommending well
2: so that that's where again a net benefit to buyers right now because uh especially first-time home buyers you didn't have much of an opportunity to have a low down payment and little to no cash out of pocket like uh, uh, you you didn't have that opportunity until recently, the last six to eight months. So you were competing with multiple offers, heavy down, high down payments, all cash, and you usually had to come out of pocket to either cover appraisal or pay for extra things the seller was asking for. So Mm -hmm. that's where now, as it's a net benefit to buyers because you can come in with the zero down payment loans or the three and a half percent down payment loans, you can have a lot of your closing costs or all your closing costs potentially covered. So for first time home buyers that have a great income but maybe haven't saved up Mm -hmm. fifty grand or a hundred grand in cash to compete with some of these homes, they can get in now. Yeah. So they're feeling a little more
1: hopeful. Oh, for sure. I
2: I would say in the last eight months the majority of our buying clients have been first-time home buyers, whereas this time last year, it was probably like 10%. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, Natalie, rephrase your question or uh, update us, because I know that we've covered a lot of ground. Ask your question to Bryce from a lending perspective.
1: I, I, I don't know how I'd – I guess I would just go in and be like, hi, I want to buy a house. This is how much I make. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, is it your job to kind of help them understand what they can afford? Mm-hmm. Like what what is it that, that people can come to you – what information can they, I guess, derive from you?
3: Yeah, so – I'll cover the lending side uh, uh, briefly because loans are, are really actually boring for a lot of people. <laughs> the loan what? application process is super easy. So when they go out and fill out their their loan app, it's all preliminary numbers. So a lot of people are like they're scared, right? They don't know like, hey, I don't want to mess this up. You can't mess any of it, any of it up. So it's going to go over address history, where you work, your full name, date of birth, social security number. Uh, and then you're going to upload your income documents. So your W-2s, your pay stubs, your tax returns, kind of depending on your situation. Um, a lot of people think uh that the the credit pull is also going to ding them a whole bunch, you know 10 you know 15 20 points or so it's very minimal um so going through that credit check is a, an absolute necessity because you need to get we need to be able to pull your liabilities so what's on your revolving cards what's on your you know your your vehicle loans etc big then- picture what's a good credit score that people should be targeting ideally 740 plus fico so that's going to give you your best interest rate so a lot of times people look at their credit karma or their chase bank or their wells fargo and they'll say hey my credit card or my credit score is this well, in reality, it's not because there's 55 different algorithms out there that are used by these third parties to determine your credit score. And a lot of them base their scoring parameters out of 900 points when in reality it only goes to 850. So a lot of times there's that, there's that confusion between buyers. Um, that it doesn't pull open their delinquent uh, accounts. It only captures surface level. So when I pull it, it's traditionally a lower score. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for anybody looking to get their score up, what I would always tell them is call the number on the back of that credit card ask them what day they report to the credit bureaus because Chase, Wells Fargo, capit they're all gonna report to the credit bureaus on a different day, and there's three different bureaus. So figure out what day your creditor reports and then set that auto pay up four days prior so that every time it reports to the credit bureaus, it's going to show the lowest uh, utilization, and utilization is one of the components that makes up your credit score. I'm so, making a note of that. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's always a, a big one. But it, We
1: recorded this, actually, yeah, yeah, I just you know. listening.
3: <laughs> but from there, I'll go in and I'll build it out. So you know, I'll calculate their income, there's variable income, so overtime commission bonus is considered variable, there's different rules depending on if you're going conventional versus FHA versus VA. I'll just build out the file, and then from there, There's debt-to-income ratios that take into account. So your back-end debt-to-income ratio takes into account all of your monthly obligations. So your minimum required payments for your credit cards, your student loans, your vehicle loans, any mortgages, et cetera, plus the new mortgage. And that income needs to be offset by your gross monthly income. And that ratio is your back-end debt-to-income if that number r- works we'll take it through just an automated underwriting system which is basically it's an actual underwrite and it just goes through a system and it meets you know fannie mae or freddie mac or va or you know fha guidelines and if you get an approved eligible then you're good and then we'll kind of talk about you know hey then I'll talk to the bar about this is your you know required down payment where are your assets where are they going to come from and we'll go over and make sure that you know it it works for you in that situation mm-hmm. That's traditionally after I talk to them about what's going on right now. Everybody wants to know, is it a good time to buy right now? I think for a lot of people, the easiest thing to do is go through an inflation test. And what you do is on a piece of paper, you would write out on a left-hand column, you'd write out all your assets. So these are going to be things like stocks, bonds, uh, if you own a house, if you own a car that you could sell, an RV, anything that is considered an asset, you'd put on the left-hand side. And then on the right-hand side, and that's going to be like the total dollar amount. So the, the, house, the, the house worth, the car worth, whatever you could sell it for, right? On the right-hand side, you're going to write out all your liabilities. So the mortgage, the personal loan, the vehicle loan, the student loan, etc. Everything that you eventually have to pay. And then it's just simple subtraction. So you take up the total added amount on the left, total added up on the right, and then you subtract. And if somebody is in negative, a negative number at the end of that, you're getting crippled by inflation right now. So you're getting less dollars at your W-2 wage. So you're getting 2.8% less. So you're earning less to pay off the same amount of debt. And if anybody's in a negative net worth position right now, I would highly encourage them to get into some type of asset. And there's no other asset like real estate where you can put a 30X lever on, like a 3% down, and then you finance 97% of the home with a form of a mortgage with one of the best returning assets in recorded history, which is, a, which is a house, right?
1: So you're actually saying that people who are in in that situation are going to... You're advising them to help their situation by purchasing a home instead of be fearful in that situation of buying a home.
0: Correct. Again, you're saying increase their assets. Correct.
3: Appreciable
0: assets. Get into
3: assets as, as soon as you can, right? Because... Where you So let's say a lot of times people will come to Jesse and I and they'll say, hey, I got money for 3%, 5%, 10% down, et cetera, whatever it is, but I don't want to buy right now. I want to wait, right? And so I'll simply ask them, okay, where do you store your money? Oh, they'll say Chase. And I know that the average savings account holds between, a it on average yields between a 0.05 and 0.08% APY. So your money appreciates less than 1%. If they're a W-2 earner, like I've said throughout this podcast, less than 3% increase in wage growth, um, and inflation right now is about 8.3%. So where you save your money is not keeping up with inflation, where you're, where you're working, isn't keeping up with inflation. The money that you have for a down payment right now for that house is not going to give you the same down payment in a year. Because yeah. on average, we know at least even during this crazy time that home prices are probably going to continue to either stay the same or appreciate five to 8%, right? So where are you going to put that money to outpace inflation right now? Mm-hmm. One of the best places to put that is, is going to be in the house.
1: Well, so what you just – what I've been hearing from people who kind of are responding, knowing that we're having this podcast, this continual, when is this going to crash? When are we going to go back to our no- normal rates? Mm-hmm. What, Like, I want to wait until we're back to what is is correct. Right. And, I, you know, my response is, okay. Well, <laughs> mostly I just don't engage in that because – That seems, uh, that seems asinine at this point. Like it feels like we're regulating. Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes to, and uh, I don't know though, but when somebody comes to you and says, so I'm waiting for the crash so that I can buy a house at $250,000 again, what's your response to them?
2: So I'll jump in real quick. So again, for me, I don't directly answer when, because that's, I'm not gonna convince someone to make a life decision. I'm just gonna advise them on what I think and let them decide. Again, some agents might say, "Right now, let's go do it. You're going to miss out if you don't buy today," uh, which I don't believe in. You know, uh, people doing that. So hopefully, no one, no one has felt that uh, force before. But um, what I say is, one, whatever they think the normal is, when rates come back down to five, four, or three percent. If you have a, th- a 3% down payment, you're not gonna have a chance again um, mm-hmm. because everyone's gonna jump back in. So again, this is different than 2007, 2008 where the demand was gone. Everyone already mm-hmm. bought more than one home probably. Mm-hmm. Right now, the demand is still extremely high. They're all just waiting, like you mentioned, for either prices to come down to some arbitrary amount or for interest rates to come down into what they feel like is stable, yeah. low again. Mm-hmm. So once that happens, Everyone is going to jump back in, and we're going to have extreme volatility to the upside. Yeah. So, uh, I, I like to share that first, and mm-hmm. then I just let them know. Again, if if you're able to, will you know willing able um, and see something you like, then yes, right now is a good time to buy. Maybe next month, but trying to time the market for someone who is not a quote-unquote real estate professional and even they can't time the market mm-hmm. uh, is a bad idea yeah. because most likely they'll wait too long and then it's on the other, it's, it's coming back up and now you're, you're stuck in a very tough situation or very highly competitive situation where you may not be able to lose if you don't have a lot of cash.
3: Yeah. Back in 2008 when it crashed, there was uh, about six months of supply on the market. So when people hear supply, you know, date, you know, supply on the market, that simply means that if there's six months of supply on the market currently, if there was no new homes to come up if there was no new homes to get built in 6 months we would have no more homes to be to be sold in the, in the united states at the time of the crash there was 6 months right now it's 2.9 2.9 months so almost you know less than half of of what it was in 2008 on top of that we've already talked about you know uh, the regulations that's come out on the mortgage side et cetera. but over the next 4 to 5 years there's going to be about 500,000 new first time home buyers coming into the market every single year just based on the people that were um, coming of that first home buyer age that are entering the market and again we still have a very pent-up supply of homes from 2010 to 2016 when builders weren't building after the recession so it's like jesse said when rates it's not even that the rates are necessarily high it's the volatility of the rates one month they're four nine one month they're seven one next month they're six three the volatility is i think what's really scaring people and if we can get a consistent six months of five percent five and a half percent that's going to push a lot of people back in Jesse and I are seeing this. There's not a lot of builders right now that are doing anything. They're sitting on dirt, and so when that you know normality hits or that that stability hits and people jump back in, you're absolutely correct that there's going to be volatility and there's going to be a potential um, for low,
2: super low inventory to return like that. Yeah. So do
1: you think it will stabilize then? Do you think that, or do you think we're fine? We're getting closer to a stabilization now.
2: Oh, well, I, I, my personal opinion is we're close. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, as long as interest rates and the Fed rates don't uh, increase significantly, you know they, they have a projected, I don't know, four and a quarter final, final percentage. If yep. that doesn't go to maybe like four and a half or five for their final uh, expected increase where they're going to stop and let inflation calm down, uh, I don't think we're going to drop much, we're going to have much change from there. So I think we're very close to stabilization unless the economy overall doesn't start to stabilize itself, which is really inflation numbers. But yeah, um, just wanted to, to piggyback off, off what Bryce and I just mentioned, and maybe, maybe we can try and coin this term, but I, I see the next uh, 12 to 18 months is maybe what you could call an inverse bubble, where we shut off the air going into a balloon or a mm-hmm. bubble, it's pinched off but there's back pressure building. As soon as interest mm-hmm. rates come down, that valve's gonna open, and that balloon's gonna just pump right back up, and we're gonna be in uh, a very highly appreciating market again.
1: A highly appreciating market, you yes. feel like. So, oh, yes, Okay. yes.
2: But again, the, yeah. the demand is there. There's pent-up demand. Everyone is waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, Supply is kind of just chilling right now. Exactly. So, so mm, this question that I've had in the back of my head
0: for, a couple of years has been where is the demand coming from why is it that there are so many people buying more mm-hmm. houses is it more people are buying houses bryce you said that the that just the age demographics are aging into the prime age mm-hmm. for buying mm-hmm. a first house where is the demand coming from is that true that we're getting so many more people i guess i didn't realize that the birth rate in the u.s mm-hmm. had grown so much you know well, i mean back- i just
1: literally did an interview about that you know, oh. with-
0: What's your take on well, it? Well, I
1: mean, I just – I don't know the accuracy of that. But, like, um, you know, I did the – I did an interview with CNN, mm-hmm. which was – um, it, the whole purpose of that was they were seeing such, such an incredible influx. Um, they didn't specifically say California, but basically oh, yeah. from these cities that have – made some major mistakes and people are fleeing them is mm-hmm. that was kind of the yeah. point um when we did the interview it was for CNN plus um and then it was- strangely two days later cnn plus like imploded that did, was random did they ever air, did they they did so they oh, okay. they aired it on their main on main oh, cnn yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was just much shorter so it was supposed to be like a half an hour feature about boise housing market and then um you know cnn plus plus they were like oh <laughs> bye bye so but what was interesting that the parts that we didn't we weren't able to show was just um from what they're seeing, from they didn't know anything about Boise, mm-hmm. but that what they were hearing was just Boise was on everyone. Everyone was just talking about Boise wherever. All of they were talking a lot about San Francisco, but these um, cities that were on in such a massive decline yeah. um, that they were going to Boise. They're going to Chattanooga, where we we're from. Yep. Um, and so, how much are you seeing? that is that as as strong as it was a oh, year yeah. ago
3: yeah the, the the top four so there's four counties in california that we're getting wealth from and then the other one is is King county in seattle so there's okay. a massive migration pattern happening from california but yeah to, to kind of boil your, it
0: down to four counties
3: so yes yeah, top, the top five counties are are uh, four of the top five i should say are coming from california and,
2: and these are statistics that again People that can or want to spend time, they can find these numbers. This isn't a secret to real estate professionals. Yeah. This data is That's public IRS online. Information. Yeah.
0: Which part of California are they coming um, from?
2: So, so
3: Orange County, uh, 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 Santa Clara, um, um, uh, the Temecula area, um, I can't remember the exact, uh, San Diego San County. D- These yeah, are
2: all yeah. Southern California Correct. areas. Correct, yep, uh, yep. And Bay, Bay and Area, Bay, yep. Bay okay. Area in Southern California, yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah, so if they go into, if you type in on Google where money, uh, how money walks, how money walks, and then just type in IRS, there's an actual uh, chart that will pull up um, of the entire United States, and you can click on any state, any county, and you can see where they're gaining their, their income from. So the aggregated, uh, uh, basically income growth, um their AGI will track and, and if you click on Treasure Valley area Ada County you'll see that the top four are California and then Kings County uh, Washington has Interesting. it slowed
1: yep. at all it yes. has yeah yep. it, it
3: has for sure but the, again the the part of the problem is, is is when COVID hit it allowed people to work remote kind of like what we mm-hmm. talked about earlier so that triggered this massive wealth migration pattern where there was you know you could go and work in in Idaho and keep your job in the Bay mm-hmm. right and it kind of skews those numbers mm-hmm. of the cost of living and the average income, et cetera. But that's a huge part of it is that people are still able to work remote as we speak, and that's triggering people to go buy houses over, um, you know, over the nation. Plus, during this time, we had the lowest interest rates in recorded history for for mortgages, so mm-hmm. it was very easy to go buy second homes, go buy investment properties, um, and so it, it made it very.
2: You know accessible to to mm. get those so so yeah there was an article put out and I, I i haven't ran the numbers on it but essentially the article was saying about 60 percent decrease in relocation to the boise area or the treasure valley and again that that made people overreact and say oh my gosh no one's mm-hmm. moving here our homes are going to sit even longer but again those people that were moving or still want to move they just don't have enough need to because prices have come down or and interest rates have gone up so they're like well maybe we'll wait it out that doesn't mean the area that they came from has changed for the better mm-hmm. they still want to get out they yeah. just are ne- they're waiting again waiting for yeah. the right time or the right push and all those people once once that time comes they're going to come back out here that's again that's an interesting perspective and that's yeah. again that's where the the inverse bubble per se it it all kind of feeds into that that uh, theory where there is a ton of people buying on the buying side, waiting to purchase, whether they're waiting to move or waiting to purchase Mm -hmm. locally. And when that quote unquote, right time comes up for them, which probably is interest rates coming down, they're all going to jump in, and it's it's going to be mm-hmm. a, a very a l- busy marketing. blood bath. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <unfortunately>. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> aggressive, Natalie. <laughs> Careful. Just,
1: I mean, okay. And well, we also hey. have these huge. We have these huge businesses that are coming in as well, mm-hmm. like in CUNA, and we have. Is Facebook's coming Facebook, in right? Facebook. Yep. Yeah.
3: Micron just announced their yep. fifteen billion dollar. Sure.
1: And I used to work in corporate um, relocation, and I just remember just the chaos of when you'd have like an, mm-hmm. an entire, um, you know industry like that just moving in and trying to find oh, locations yeah. like our builders focusing just to make sure that we have like multi-family um, homes for like that kind of situation. Um, I'm just wondering if we're, if you've seen that massive prep for some of these things coming in.
2: Um, I don't know if it's, if it's as intentional as that, or they just know if they build it in time, it's going to sell because this area is still growing and the market. Again, does fluctuate. Uh, it's going to come back up so yeah, I don't know if they're intentionally saying, well, we know, you know, this community's coming, so we're mm-hmm. going to build a bunch of homes right here or if they're saying, let's keep building per our plan and some of the new corporations coming in will probably fill those areas. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, but just like just like you said being from uh, the corporate relocation side, corporations go through cycles of hiring. Everyone has freezed hiring uh, right now, you know, quote unquote everyone. Uh, again, when the economy turns around, or they see their statistics or uh, financials start to turn around, they're going to hire again, and that's going to bring more people to wherever the corporations are. Like Micron, they're they're developing out their fifteen billion dollar plant, uh, new facility. That's going to be several thousand engineering positions, which is you know seventy to hundred and fifty K jobs. Yeah, they're not hiring for that right now, but when they do, it's going to be a flood of mm-hmm. new people moving here most of them looking for housing so right?
3: well plus they're bringing the the actual manufacturing back here so you got to take yep. into account you know people that will be driving the, the mm-hmm. you know there's all these other oh exactly you all know it kind of spreads out, out there that will it. people yep. come to just you know get that across the the nation
0: we're coming up on our time but i did yep. want to share one perspective that i'm hearing a lot is look we've been here my family has been raised here it's wonderful and now my kids are graduating college and they want to live here too but it's becoming less and less likely that they're able to do that. Mm -hmm. What's one piece of advice that you would give to the young professionals, those, the young generation in their mid-20s that want to settle down in a place like this? How are they best positioned to do something like that?
3: I I would say start as as soon as you can to um, educate yourself. And I think it always comes back to self-education on investing or learning how to invest. What is investing? What is money? what are the difference between assets and liabilities and as you go down that rabbit hole i feel like every individual kind of fall into hey this is what i need to do to get ahead of inflation this is what i need to do to outpace you know the 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 market so that eventually i have the ability to put 3% down 5% down 10% down or you know to know that you can get creative you know have your parents co-sign have a friend co-sign Get two people together, get them on the same you know loan application. Don't have the you know oh, poor me. You know everything's going too crazy. I can't get in. No, there's a there's a there's a way to to do it. You just have to you know to think. You there have to, are creative yeah, options. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I w- I would kind of put it back on them to reach out to individuals like us that are you know um, professionals in the industry. Ask questions. Do your own research. You'll find you'll find
2: a way to, to do it. But not if you just sit back and say, oh, well is me and I I can't get in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, almost the exact same uh, response. So uh, planning ahead. So yes, it, buying a home, it's the one of the largest purchases, if not the largest purchase you'll ever make. Most likely, you can't do it for free. So yes, you need to start saving cash or have some sort of uh, liquid cash available by the time you're re- ready to purchase. Uh, and then again, so planning ahead and education, and also, just like Bryce mentioned, getting creative. And I, I mentioned this. M- On other on other medias, but maybe even on the last podcast, um, we were fortunate enough until this large growth boom that really anyone could purchase a home if they had a little bit of cash and it's fairly decent job. That is very rare for a popular metropolitan city where it is difficult to purchase, like you can't move to anywhere in California and just be like, oh, I'm gonna go buy this house tomorrow. It is difficult to buy in some of these larger populated and popular cities. So we are feeling that now. So you again, you have to plan ahead and get creative. Whether it be working, you know, partnering with someone to buy a home, or uh, maybe you qualify but you don't feel comfortable with the rent so, or the, the mortgage price, renting out a room or two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they call it house hacking. But essentially, if you believe in the real estate industry, you believe in the long term uh, potential of it, you'll, you'll be able to find a way. I yeah. mean, even my, my first two or three investment properties. I, I was not on the loan. I did not put any cash into the deal. But now I own six doors, 50% ownership. Um, and that doesn't, you know, again, it, it didn't come because I was able to purchase them. It came because I was creative and was able to put a deal together. Right, yeah. put a deal together. It just so. sounds
1: like it, it's a different world and yep. that it's not going to go back to that. I no, mean, there was a time so. where <laughs> my parents, they the things they say to me, I'm like, What's a oh, a pension. That's, I love <laughs> yeah. that word. What's that word uh, mean? Another, but yeah. it's like you save a lot, you save your money, you have your nice job, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a good, you know, basic job. And then you buy a house and you live this American dream. And it's that like that, that just isn't, that's Correct. not where we are anymore. And no. that it doesn't, I, that's not going to be where we I, are.
2: I would, I would love to, again, we, we're in the real estate industry, but we, we are, fairly educated and, and self-experienced uh, in some of the financial sides of things, would love to have a, a financial mm-hmm. podcast discussion, exactly what you talked about. Yeah. The, the society is different than it used to be when the quote-unquote retirement plan was initiated about 40 years ago, and unfortunately, it it, it is not uh, viable ways mm-hmm. to do things It's now. easier to make more money right now than it is to save. Yeah, yeah that's,
1: oh, yeah. I'm hearing that sure.
0: if you want to get into the market and you're young, it is never going to be easy, and yep. you need knowledge and you need to invest yourself in gaining knowledge to understand how to do it. But that it is possible, correct? Not easy, yep. but it is possible. It
1: does really show you, though, who's going to succeed at this, though. I mean, it is not a passive thing anymore, it's not just a guarantee of like of following what's been done over. You're going to have to, yeah, homeownership
0: is not low hanging fruit anymore. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing great knowledge. Um, Jesse Taff, where can people find you if they want? Want to look up more and ask questions
2: yeah yep so instagram's probably the the best route but on on all the other platforms or try to be uh jesse underscore taff so j-e-s-s-e underscore t-a-f-f and yeah give me a follow reach out send us some questions would love to chat or grab coffee and really you know have this conversation in detail with any specific person so mm-hmm.
0: all right awesome Bryce uh, Gonzer. Yep. Where can people find you?
2: Yeah, I think uh, Instagram
3: would be the best place. So Bryce B R Y C E underscore Gonzer G O N S E R
0: S E R. All
3: oh. right. Thanks, guys. All
1: right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble, and for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time. The Boise Bubble podcast is sponsored by Volkswagen of Boise. Interested in buying a Volkswagen in the Treasure Valley? Head to www.volkswagenofboise.com to learn more.